Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. tell you when I'm worshiping and I see our ushers having to go get more chairs I just love that feeling I tell you what because I know what it's not about yeah come on come on that's okay um I just know God is in the midst of what we're doing, and God is in the midst of this transition. Uh, if you're not familiar with the transition, um, I just have a few weeks left, and then uh, uh, I'm putting De- Pastor Derek in, and so going to the sidelines because Pastor Derek is ready. He's excited. Come on, yeah, come on. So he is. Uh, Pastor Derek is, is a very close friend of mine. He is pumped uh, to really take the reins. And uh, I just want to just address a couple things with that real quick. Uh, but here, here's one of them. I continue to get many questions about, Pastor Chris, what really happened? And uh, I, I wish I had like some cool drama story. The only thing that we were trying to think of is my kids during the winter. And I don't know if you have teenagers. How many of your teenagers just dress like it's summer in the winter. Any? Yeah, okay. So I was just going to say, you know, our kids can't, we can't afford uh, shoes for our kids because they're here in their slides today and shorts. And uh, maybe that's what it is. So we had to go, I, I don't know. Heather had half that story. I only caught half the story. So you can talk to her. But really, we are just trying to obey God. And we feel that right now, Pastor Derek is meant to step in to a form of leadership here as the lead pastor. And we're to get out of the way. And uh, I had a lot of people have asked me, well, what are you doing? And, and, and uh, I tell you what, as soon as we know what we're doing, we will share. We're trying to figure that out right now. We are trying to um, go, what is it that God is calling us to do next? But we felt that God was saying for us to take a leap of faith. And if you know my wife well, that is a huge, huge step for her uh, to do that because we, we kind of feel a little bit like that scene in Indiana Jones, you know? Like, if, if you don't remember any, come on, who has seen Indiana Jones? All right, so you remember, not the crystal so-called sucky one, but the, the first, the real good ones. Crystal, don't put aliens in Indiana Jones, I'm sorry. But the, I like both, just separately. And the first, one of the first Indiana Jones, you know, here he is, and he, or the Holy, Holy Grail. And you remember when he takes that step off the bridge? And, and uh, leap of faith, leap of faith, leap of faith. You just see Harrison Ford, you know, getting ready to go. And he has no idea what's going to happen. We're kind of in that same thing. But you know when he sprinkles the dust over it, little rocks, and he sees it just a little bit? We feel that that's what God is doing for us. The Holy Spirit is starting to put a little pebbles in front of us of what we're called to next. And we'll share as soon as we know. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to put the cart before the horse and say, hey, this is what we're doing or this is what's happening when we don't have all those things lined up yet because we don't, we want to honor God with that. And so uh, as soon as we do, you will be the first thing, third, fourth to know. All right. So. That's after my family, that's after my wife, that's after my kids, and that's after us just praying, fasting, and spending time with God. Hey, uh, who's excited to be here today? Anybody? A few of you? I'm so excited because, you know what's crazy? I only get like so many more Sundays to preach, so I can preach on whatever I want the next few Sundays, because I'm out here anyway, and so like, I'm like, what, what can I preach that would just offend everybody? No, I'm, I'm that's, that's for April 10th. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's every single one of these. And uh, no, what I'm preaching on today, it's the second to last series or day in the series making change. And, and I'm going to bring up some stuff. And, and I just, I want to ask you this. I want you to stay with me till the end. Don't leave. All right. If you have to go take a potty break, do it now and come back because I want you to be here because I really believe that God wants to speak to you. And uh, uh, we're going to get there. But here's the first thing I want to do is just a couple uh, couple just quick things. Uh, first is this. Pastor Derek is gone today. We're blessing him while he's gone. He'll be back here next week. Uh, but what I want to do is say this, especially from Pastor Derek and, and myself, is if you are a guest with us, okay? There, if you pull into our parking lot this morning, you will notice we have handicap signs for those that need handicap accessible. Praise God, we need that. But then you'll also notice we have these green signs when you pull in. And we want all of those slots filled up. That's our visitor parking. And then we have, uh, just to the right of that, our ADA handicap accessible parking. Those are just as important to me, and here's why. Because I don't know if you've noticed, we have never had in this parking lot, nor will we ever have in this parking lot, senior pastor parking. 
You ever seen that? Like, lead pastor parking. I'll tell you what, Pastor Derek and our staff, they have just followed suit, and all of us park in the far corner, which is literally like 50 feet from the door. It's not that big a deal, all right? But we want you as a visitor to know that you are welcome here, you're comfortable here, you don't have to have it figured out, you can walk in here as an atheist today, and we care enough about you that we're not going to cram anything down your throat, we just want God and the Holy Spirit to really just infiltrate you. We want him to get a hold of your heart, we love you enough to let him do that, we're not the Holy Spirit, we're not God. And so we want you to take the time you need, whether that's to heal, whether that's to ask the questions, whether that's to be a skeptic, whether that's to figure it out, but guarantee this, no matter any of those circumstances, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the only way that we receive eternal life will be forever preached at the bridge church. Okay. That's what it's about. Come on, somebody. So saying that, um, I just want to say, if you are a guest visiting with us, here's the only thing we ask you. We're going to receive an offering in just a moment. And when we receive an offering, we don't want you to feel any obligation, any guilt, any condemnation, any pressure to give. Like, oh, I'm in this church for the first time. I better give. No, don't. That's, that's not from Jesus, actually. Now, if God is telling you to do that, fine. But we just want you to receive. We, you're our guest today. So be our guest. All right. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Sorry, this is, keeps going in my beard. I'll do my best here. I keep moving too much. I might have to just stand, just stand stationary. Come on. It's too small. Yeah, Derek and I keep trying to, these things are not cheap. They're about $800, so we keep trying to go back and forth. Um, so I, I told him he's never allowed to use it until now, but don't, don't touch my mic, my Britney Spears mic. Um, anyway. If you're a guest, this is the only thing we're going to ask you to do. You will notice there's a connect card. If by chance you're on the front seat and don't have one, um, just let one of our ushers know, and we'll get one of those to you. There's two black boxes on the back. Just write your name. We just want to give you free Dairy Queen. That's all, just for saying hey. And uh, we do have an email. If you want to be a part of that, you can write that on there. Otherwise, we just want to say hey and welcome, and thanks for hanging out with us on a Sunday. Can we just give a hand to those that are visiting with us today? Come on. pray for our offering this morning. Uh, we're not passing a bucket right now. Uh, we haven't in a while. That'll be up to Pastor Derek when he takes the lead. But right now, there's different ways to give online, text, mail, or those two black boxes. Um, just ask God what to do. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that we get to give back to you this offering this morning. Would you take it? Would you utilize it for what you want to do in and through your church, God? Lord, your local church is the hope for the world. And I pray right now that uh, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, no matter what, you would take that and you would be blessed by it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a while ago, I, uh, I pulled into this parking lot in 2013. And I don't know if you remember what this parking lot looked like in 2013, but it was complete gravel. It looked awful. And I pulled in here. And as soon as I pulled in the parking lot, uh, we, up to this time, had been meeting in the elementary school, St. Francis Elementary, for the first three years of the church. And then we had an office. I don't know if you remember this, but we had an office right next to City Hall in St. Francis. Does anyone remember that? A few of you? And uh, we, the bridge sign that's in the entryway used to be on the outside there. And uh, the reason that's inside here is the city of Nalvin would not allow us to put it outside. So I was like, well, then I'm putting it inside. We're leaving it on and opening up the windows then. So... <laughs> Um, and that's, we, we were able to do that legally. And so, uh, back in those days though, we pulled in to the parking lot and I felt God say, this is what's next for the bridge church. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. We don't have like hundreds of thousand dollars in savings. You know, our church at that time was about half the size it is right now. And I said, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, Lord. And God just said, just, just trust me. And we walked in, and if you haven't seen this building before, there was literally six old chandeliers in here. Uh, none of the lighting, none of the stuff was in here. It, it looked, yeah, there's moldy carpet. It smelled like teenage boy, okay? It was the boys' choir building. And uh, the nicest part of the building was honestly the ladies' room because it had never really been used. And so um, we didn't have to do too much in there. Anyway... I remember this journey with God, and part of this journey with God that was so cool was seeing people stand up, and we had about 60 people at the time, and the building we bought, just to give you a little uh, numbers here, was $225,000, okay, in 2013, which now will appraise for about three to four times that, and so a great investment, 
on, on the behalf of what God has done in and through this church. But here's the deal. The cool part was we said to our lender, and no lender wants to give a new church money. It doesn't happen. We found somebody that says, if you raise 40% of it, 40% of the $225,000, we will give it to you. Now, I'm the kind of guy that loves a challenge. That's why I married Heather. And uh, um, I love my wife. <clears throat> I'm just as much of a challenge, I know. Yeah. Or more. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow, you got some people on your side. So we did this, and here's what took place. I made a challenge to the church, and we had four weeks to do this. And so I made a challenge to the church. Some of you remember this, and I said, we have to come up with basically $90,000 to be able to buy this building. And uh, I asked everybody to pray and, and take care. We were meeting in the elementary school still. And I'll never forget before that Sunday, I've never shared this story with you before, but before that Sunday, I had a couple in the church that came up to me and the couple, hold on one second. I don't know why this keeps doing this. I might just grab a handheld in a minute if it's going to keep doing that. I just don't want, I don't want you to be distracted. Um, and this couple said, hey, Pastor Chris, can we meet with you? And so we went over and we met in the old office space. And while we're meeting there, they said, we have to talk to you. Now, anytime a pastor has a couple in their church that says, we need to talk to you, you get nervous because you're thinking, well, they're going to a new church or something bad is happening. And anybody else like, like me, you just think like the worst case scenario right away. And I'm going, oh man, this is an awesome couple in our church. And they sat down with me and they said, no, we, we've been praying about what to do. And, and we want to give you a check towards the purchase of the property. And I said, okay, you know, and, and uh, we had seen a couple things come in so far. And they wrote out the check. They went, they went show it to me. And they said, we want you to look at it when we leave. So they slid it across my desk. And I opened up this check. And I was in awe because it was a check for $20,000 towards the property. And I'm going, I talked to them later. And I said, that's insane. And they said, you know what? We decided for that year that we were not going to invest into our retirement, but we're going to invest into eternity. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <clears throat> That Sunday, we had over close to $70,000 came in from our church of 60 people, okay? Every dollar that came in, almost every dollar was completely matched. I went and outsourced and I asked other churches to help us. And we had other churches and organizations raise an additional 60 to help us with the building. And so God just did an incredible miracle. And so praise God, our staff, our leaders, our board have always been very good stewards of the finances here. I myself was not always good at finances. And let me tell you a little story about me and Wells Fargo. <sighs> me and Wells Fargo were a, uh, we had problems. You know, if, if Wells Fargo and I were a dating relationship, uh, wouldn't have been a good relationship. In fact, how many bank with Wells Fargo? Any, anybody bank with Wells Fargo? So it's a ginormous bank. They don't care about you or me, honestly, because they're just a ginormous corporation. Well, do you remember when they used to have the ATMs? And those little ATMs that you would slide in your card, but then what did you have to do to make a deposit? Different than what we get to do today. You had to take your cash or your, your check, and you had to put it in, a, in an envelope, right? And so you put it in the envelope, and as I'm putting it in the envelope, I, you, you put it in the thing, it reads it, whatever. Well, I had uh, warrant out from my arrest at that time for unpaid parking tickets. I had creditors after me because I had no cash to my name. I was horrific at finances, okay? I didn't know how to make change, if you will, if we take that literally today. And so I came up with this genius plan where I said, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to write on the envelope that I'm depositing $20 without putting $20 in the envelope, thinking, I'm genius. And so I slid it into the ATM and took out a $20 bill right away. And I'm like, golden, what did I have? I got a business opportunity here. And... The next day, I get a call from Wells Fargo saying, every single account you have is closed and you'll never be able to open an account with us again, period. So I don't recommend that. <laughs> I was an idiot using that term very loosely with finances. I was horrible with it. Awful. Okay. And we've talked about this series, Making Change, regarding the context of our transition, but I want to take a little bit of a turn today. I think we've talked enough about transition for a while. Today, I want to take it literal. 
Like we're literally making change. I, I don't know about you, but I'd love more change in my bank account. You probably would too. And, and we might go, we're talking about money in church. Stay with me. Just be with me. Okay. For those of you that know me well, you know, this is one of the things I'm super passionate about. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask every single person here to take out your cell phone right now very quickly. Okay. Just, just take it out. You don't have to, you, you don't have to text me, but take it out. Put on the flashlight and we're going to do a little halftime show with Dr. Drain Snoop. No. Um, what I want you to do is this. My number, if you don't have it, it's on the screen for you right here. And uh, um, the, uh, this is what I want you to do. What's your dream? You know, now I'm not talking big bass boat or, you know, 21-foot laser nitro with a council and it's got two, 250 black mercs on the back with a trailer with a tongue that swings. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, what I'm talking about is what's your God-given dream? What is your dream and how do finances play a part in your dream? Okay, how does, how does that work? Because maybe your dream, like one of the dreams I have is, man, I would love to own a property someday where I can just invite pastors and leaders to come stay for free. That, that doesn't, that, that costs money. So just go ahead, text me your dream. You, and if you want, you don't have to, but I'm just curious. I, I want to, and by the way, uh, if you text me, I will share this, by the way, during service. So I'm just warning you now. So it, I won't share your name, but you can share with me your dream. And so those of you that know me well and have my cell phone number and you know my personality, send me the jokes later right now, okay? I want to stay on track. Here it is. The Bible contains over 500 verses on prayer and on faith. 500? That's a ton. Okay? Guess how many on money in the Bible? You got 500 on prayer and faith. We talk about prayer and faith all the time. We already prayed and we already talked about faith. How many about money in the Bible? 2,000. Four times as many on prayer and faith. So should we probably talk about it on occasion? Yeah. Okay. One of the biggest desires of Pastor Derek's heart as he's taking the church, and he shared this last week, I was listening live with you, is to see marriages restored. Okay. There we go. All right. Marriages restored. One of the root factors in why so many marriages end in divorce is because of because of money. So it's probably something we should talk about, right? Right? Okay. One of the things I'm super passionate about, if, if, you, if you don't know me, is financial freedom, okay? I'm super passionate. You're never going to hear anybody like, you know, hey, you have to do this or do that, but I want you to go after the God-given dream that God gave you. Let's see if we have any of them here. Um, manage awesome and loving care for orphan housing. Uh, God's love and truth with governing leadership. Become an animator of my own show. Come on, these are awesome. I love this. This is awesome. To finish nursing school and to see my son get his dream home. I want to be able to bless people and just make a difference in the community. To open and run an animal rescue. Lifetime cancer free. Continue to get closer to God. To have my dream house. Have a house on the water. Okay. Start a homeschool counseling service and write a book. Come on, can we just give it up to God for these? This is awesome. All right. Keep them coming. My dream is to go into the medical field to use my talents and faith combined to tell others about Jesus. So do you think if we manage our finances well that these are selfish dreams? Probably not. Probably not. Well, what about the lake on the lake house? I guarantee that that lake house is going to be used to bless that family and to bless others. I guarantee it. Okay? I know you. I know your hearts. Let's just keep going. I, I, I got to keep going here. All right? So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm super passionate about this. I'm passionate about your dream. One of the things when we started the church was never about our dream. It was about seeing your dreams come true. And the only way to do that is by aligning yourself to scripture. That's the only way you're going to see it. Some of us in this room maybe have the financial freedom thing going on. Some of us maybe are like, oh, I don't want to talk about finances because you're where I was a few years ago. I do not want to see anybody in this church or even our community live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. This is one of the reasons why I have taught financial peace in our church five times. In fact, I think we've taught it eight times now in our church. And we have, the people that have gone through it, we have paid off over $550,000 of cumulative debt with everybody who's gone through Financial Peace University in the seven years that we've done it at church. That's just crazy, all right? So here's the deal. I want to lay some foundational verses, all right? So here they are. We're going to talk money for a little bit. First Timothy 5.8. It says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and it doesn't say the ones you like, but it says, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Thanks, Pastor Chris, for the life-giving message today. Okay? If, if we don't provide for ourselves, we're worse than an unbeliever. This would be like a church going, hey, we're going to support the mission field, but we're not going to take care of our staff. 
that's, that's calling us worse than a non-believer. We do. We give over 10% out to missions every year from our church. Everything that we, that we receive, we give out. But that's our call to do. Second verse here, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. All right? It's not about the love for money. Those dreams don't talk about the love for money at all, did they? Because the love of money is a sin. The, you know, the root of all sin is the, is, you, we get it all mixed up. You know, money is the, the what's, what's the phrase? Root of all, yeah, it's the love of money. Okay? We, we get that wrong all the time. We're not called to love money. We're called to love God, and we're called to manage that money. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In the world, all who live in it, it's all his. It's all his. That means ain't nothing you got is yours. Nothing I have is mine. We manage it. So here's what I want to do. Those, those are kind of our foundation scriptures. I got a lot more scriptures. Here's what I want to get. Can I get really practical with you today? Good. So I'm not going to give you a big theological dissertation. I just want to give you some practice that I think will help bless you and will help be with you where you're at in life right now. I hope that it's encouraging to you and I hope that you're able to take this. And, and so these, I'm going to give you just a few points. You might want to write these down. They're really simple. Okay, real simple. But if you're going, man, I just want financial freedom in my life, then this is for you right now. If you've got financial freedom, we're going to talk about you at the end of the service in just a moment. All right? Number one. Here we go. Everybody said number one. I had a Red Bull this morning. I'm just loving it. Holy Spirit and Red Bull together, man, equals good things. All right, number one, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. If it's important to you, write it down. You just wrote your dream. Do you know by you just sending me your dream, that you wrote down you have an 85% greater chance of that dream coming true just because you texted it to me? That's statistics, all right? Write it down. Heather and I, we have used, you ready for this? This is our fancy budgeting tool that we use with our budget. It's this fancy uh, little thing called Excel. If you haven't used Excel yet today, you're living under a rock, all right? Now they have it in, in Google. What's it called in Google. Google Sheets, all right? And so you, you, you don't have an excuse. It's so easy to use. We get paid twice a month. And so twice a month, we go through our budget and go, hey, we were off a little bit this last month here. We, we've got to make up this difference here. We didn't save enough here where we wanted to. Or our grocery bill, because we have teenagers and the grocery bills right now are insane. So we got to add more to our grocery fund. And we have little envelopes that we keep for everything that we buy. Um, statistically, if you're the kind of person that we used to be and use a credit card to go in and buy groceries and you pay off your credit card without any interest right away, you're like, I don't, I don't do that interest thing. But if you go to cash, you will actually save up to 13% more. We tested it. We saved over 30% more going to cash than using a credit card. Okay, write it down. Have a, have a budget. If you don't know where your money's being spent, you won't know how to manage it. That's just common sense, all right? Luke chapter 14, verse 8, it says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? You can put in that verse your dream. Suppose one of you wants to go to nursing school, have a lake on a house. Are you, have you considered the cost? Is it a pie in the sky dream? Or have you realized that God can make this a reality? I'm not, now here, I want to time out real quick. I am not saying if, if you give, if you tithe, if you do all of these things, God's going to prosper you financially and you're never going to have problems. Okay. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I think it's from Satan. All right. However, I do believe that God calls us to be faithful stewards and he blesses us the way he wants to bless us on his time, in his time frame, in his way, not on Chris's. Amen. He's not going to bless you the way you want to be. He's going to bless you the way he wants you to be blessed. All right? When I was uh, church, you know, church plant coaching, I do a lot of, and we sit down and one of the entire things we have to do is we have to count the cost of what it's going to take to launch a church. When we started the bridge, we, had to re- we were required by our parent church to have at least $90,000 in the bank before we started. Churches today that I coach that are getting ready to launch all across the nation, rural town, urban town, suburban town, multi-site church, mega church, rural church, home church, all these models. The the lowest model that I have seen so far has been $200,000 that they need to raise before they plant a church. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. And so they count the cost. They look at it. They work hard. They work extra jobs. They, They go into different places. And that's okay. You have to count the cost. All right. So write it down. Second. Everybody say it. Store it up. Say it with me. Store it up. I'm not talking about savings, by the way. 
We'll talk about savings in a minute. You got to store it up. Well, what does that mean? This means, guess what? In your life, on occasion, the poop hits the fan. Maybe not to you, you know, because I'm a pastor, so I'm closer to God. I've got like direct dial. So for me, it never happens. But I want to make sure I have three to six months security for my family. I want to make sure we are good to go. So if something happens or if we feel God telling us, hey, we're called to something else, we've got three to six months in the bank where we know, hey, we're going to be okay while we figure this out. I recommend having that. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't know that that's in the Bible. I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 13.5. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Here's the deal. We keep ourselves from the love of money. And we look at this verse, one of the biggest ways to keep ourselves from that love of money is to realize it's not ours to begin with, and we're stewarding it. We have to make sure that we're prepared. If we're not, I was, I'm a Boy Scout, I'm an Eagle Scout. Our motto was, be prepared. You even know it? You even, you're not even Boy Scouts. Some of you are, but not all of you. Be prepared for what? The poo. Be prepared for the poo. It will hit the fan. There's another terminology that people use that, but I'm going to stray away from that today. Maybe it's a car breaking down. You know, Heather and I, we have a Kia Optima. It's a 2015. It's the newest car that we have in our house. The engine blew up last week. Driving down Highway 65, all of a sudden I couldn't get over 40 miles an hour. And Isaac and I, we were laughing, honestly, because I thought we're going to have to have grandpa come get us. Now, the Kia is phenomenal. They're taking care of it and they're, they're dealing with it. But I want to make sure I have money in the bank in case that happens. All right? Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a medical bill. Had a surprise surgery last year. Didn't like that, but I want to make sure I have it. Maybe, who knows, maybe we end up moving, and, and I want to make sure, hey, we've got it in the bank that we can take care of this. All right? See, we are stewards of God's money. We don't own it. We manage it. That's what a steward is. All right? Number three. Say it with me when it's up there. Come on, say it like you mean it. Pay it off. Get rid of your debt. Dude, seriously, debt is the worst. Okay, Heather and I, our first house, we, we lived in a double-wide trailer. I loved it. It was so easy to maintain. So awesome. Our neighbors brought us Cheetos and listened to Pink Floyd every night. We don't need no, I'd never forget that. I mean, I have the wall of Pink Floyd just implanted in my brain forever. Every night, that's what we had to go to bed to, listening. But at 10 o'clock, he turned it all off and then would give us Cheetos. I, well, I, it was awesome. We bought that trailer. We started off life and uh, I had a little bit of a student loan debt, not not very big. And she was teaching. I just got a pastor job and then um, Heather got pregnant. I'm not sure how that happened. And then um, the here's the deal, though. All of a sudden, our income dropped significantly. By our second and a half to three years of marriage, we had a child. We just bought a home. We got married. We had two vehicles. And Heather wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I don't know how this was going to work. Because as a pastor, at that time, my income was under $40,000. So our entire household income was under $40,000. And here's what I can attest to you. When that happened, we had zero debt. We had already paid off our mortgage. We, we ate a lot, a lot of hamburger helper, a lot. Little packaged Caesar things, and then green beans in a can for 33 cents. We ate a lot of it. We still eat that on occasion. <laughs> it brings back memories, and we still kind of like it, honestly. But I remember being, hey, you know what? I think it was like $38,400 was our salary for both as our family. That was, that was cumulative, which was poverty level. And I said, you know what? That's okay. We don't, know, we don't have a car payment. We don't have a credit card payment. Our, our trailer with the Pink Floyd neighbors paid off. We're good, okay? If we can do that on a $38,000 salary, there is no excuse for anybody in this room to not do that because you can make more than that working at McDonald's today, all right? Seriously, that's why a hamburger there costs $18 right now, all right? Have you, have you ordered a hamburger lately at McDonald's? Oh, my goodness. I shouldn't. <laughs> they got rid of the salads, Nikki. All right. 
Romans 13, 8. This is what it says. I want you to catch this because some of you need to hear this because the last thing I want any of you to have is guilt today. You might be like, Pastor, if you know how much debt I was in, if you know how much I'm living paycheck to paycheck, if you knew the child support I have, if you knew this, I don't know your story. God sees your story today and he sees you and I need you to know that. Romans 13, 8, the first part of this verse, it says, let no debt remain outstanding. Here's what I want you to see in this verse today. There's no guilt or condemnation with it. Paul wrote this. He didn't say, he said, you should never have debt. And if you don't, you're, you're, you know, if you have debt, you're a sinner. No, he said, don't have any debt remaining. And then he goes on, he talks about the only debt we should have remaining to one another. Next part of the verse is love. That's it. So if you have today debt that you're working on or you have, I would encourage you to keep working on it, but I don't want you to feel guilty. Okay. That's not the goal. All right. So we've got first, write it down. Second, store it up. Third, pay it off. Four, this, is my, this one's for fun today. This is my favorite one. Negotiate it. Everybody's saying negotiate it. Wow, that was passionate. <laughs> you usually either hate negotiating or you love negotiating. Those of us that hate negotiating hate those that love negotiating. Okay? Now, I'm married to a garage sailor pro. And I'll tell you what. There is never a time I think she has walked in and paid what they're asking prices. Not one time, okay, at all. Nearly every verse in the Bible says regarding negotiation is based on war, okay? I, I think that's funny, honestly. Not all of them, but it's war. So some of us, negotiation is war because you either want to go to battle or you instantly surrender. And I'll tell you what, as a man that negotiates, if you're one that instantly surrenders, I will eat you alive, and here's, and other people will too. You have to learn to negotiate. You have, you're called to be a good steward of money, not to keel over dead. And so I want to talk about your value today as well, because it's bigger than just a dollar bill. Matthew chapter 20, verse two says, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarii for the day, for their income for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. Did you catch that? When he had agreed with the laborers. So did he just be like, here's what you're getting paid? Or did the laborers say, actually, this is what we'd like? And they probably went back and forth for a while before they came to an agreement on the negotiating of, of their price. And then he sent them to his vineyard to work. They agreed on it. There's nothing wrong. Negotiation is not a character flaw. It's not. In fact, I love negotiating. I will negotiate anytime, anywhere. The building that we bought for the church was not listed at 225. It was listed over 250. And by negotiation, I offered 200. They countered, and we met in the middle at 225. Was there character flaw on either end? Do I still talk to the guy we bought it from? Yeah, he's a friend of mine. Now, I didn't know him before that. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, even when Heather and I go to Target, I negotiate at Target. Seriously, we went and bought a, a comforter for our bed, and there were these different color comforters in, at Target. And all of them were a certain price, and then ours was like 20 or $30 more, and I'm like, not happening. So... Heather, I said, can you find the manager? I just want to stay here because there's one left and I didn't want somebody to nab it. She found the manager and he came over and I said, hey, I noticed that this one, I know it's a different color, but these other ones are the same price. They're 20, 30 bucks cheaper. Is there any way you'd match? He's like, no, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I said, I said, is there anyone you can ask? Can you ask the GM and just see if they'd be able to? I didn't say no. I didn't give up on no. And he goes, sure, I will. And the GM said, yeah, that's fine. We'll give it to him for it. So took it up, got $30 off right there. I spent 30 bucks or saved 30 bucks. Guess what? I can take out Heather for two hamburgers now. All right? That's what I'm saying. Walmart and Catan. Any, any Catan or game, gamers in here? I love Catan. I love strategic board games like Candyland. Does anyone else like? <laughs> love board games. All right? Catan, have you ever played Seafarers? Seafarers? Okay. All right. So we had not played Seafarers yet because when you go to Amazon, Walmart, Target, it's like 60 bucks. And I'm going, I'm not spending 60 bucks for an expansion on a game. It's going to be at Goodwill 10 years from now. And so Heather goes into Walmart. Was it Walmart? It was Target. It was Target again. She goes into Target and finds that it's right next to the other ones. And yet it was still more, but the other ones, they were doing this Christmas deal. Seafarers is usually like 60 bucks. And right next to it, original Catan said $15. She asked the guy, said, hey, this one's 15. There's one of these left. Can I get this one for 15 too? Sure. So we got seafarers for 15 bucks. I could, I could make money on eBay with that sucker, all right? That's my wife, though, okay? She's so bold. I love it, all right? And do you know that anytime you find something on Amazon for cheaper, most Walmarts and Targets and other places, if you say, hey, I can just go to Amazon and get it for five bucks cheaper, 
They want your business, they're going to give it to you. Why do I say that? Why is this important? Because you're stewarding God's money. Because God in his kingdom can do probably more with that $20 than someone else can if you're using it for him. That's why it's important. All right? Next one. Save it for later. Save it for later. Now, in this room, we have two different types of people. Probably one side or the other. Those, some of you are spenders. Where are my spenders at? Any spend? You love to spend money. And then you got the savers. Okay? You hate spending money. My wife would not spend 10 cents on cheese on a hamburger growing up because it was 10 cents extra. Okay? That's, that's her mentality. Me, I went with my dad. He would, he'd get everything and he would hook it all up. It was crazy. He'd get, and he would get like $20 worth of stuff and then throw half of it away. I'm like, what? Okay? Save it for later. Before... Some of you are even going to listen about saving it for later. We're going to have to talk a little apologetics because we're in a Christian context. So I'm going to talk to you right now that have been Christians for a long time. If you have not been a Christian for a long time, you haven't been corrupted by our bad theology yet. So you can ignore me for a moment. But let me talk to those of you that are super Christians for a moment. Okay, if you've been a Christian for over 10 years, this message is for you. There's this crazy ideology that is still in the church today that Jesus is coming back at any time. Now, I know our political system and, and the world system and the wars that we see and all this, maybe it's pointing towards Jesus coming back. But do any of us know when the return of Christ will happen? No. We don't. But what happens is that with this theology is people go, well, because Jesus is coming back anytime, I don't need to save it. I don't need to go to college. I don't need to prep for it. I don't need to do anything because I'm good. That is crap theology. <laughs> Flush it down the stinking toilet, all right? We are called to be stewards and to be prepared and to be ready in all seasons. Because I'll tell you what, when Jesus does come back, if it's not pre-rapture, and we're not going to get into theology today, but there's this idea where the rapture comes and we all disappear with him, and then those that don't know Christ are left for seven years, or there's this thing called post-tribulation where for seven years at the return of Christ, before he returns, we go through this incredible you know, tribulation. If by chance I'm wrong and my pre-trib theory is not right, and it is post-trib, I'll tell you what. I want to be prepared. I want to have stockpiled cash. I want to be able to help others around me at that time. Numbers, chapter 8, verse 23 through 26. Um, before I get there, let me say one more thing. How many know a worker is worth their wages, especially today? Can I hear a good amen? You find a good worker or a good waiter or a good waitress, sometimes we will tip them 50%. Five zero, not one five, five zero. Okay? If it falls, it's fine. Just stack them. Just stack them. Um, there are countless scriptures about honoring our elders, about honoring those that have gone before us. Numbers chapter 8, verse 23 through 36, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward. They shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of what? 50, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. How many years did they serve? Started at 25. They retired at 50, 25 years. Retirement is a biblical principle. Some people don't believe it is right here. We see that it is. All right. I want to show you something as quick as I can. We might go just a few minutes over, so stay with me. It's going to be good. Show the first chart here. Okay, this is from Dave Ramsey. Uh, this is Financial Peace University. I want to give them kudos because I'm using their prop here. But I just want to show you this. This is savings, okay? This, this is super cool. This, like, convicted me about 12 years ago. All right, so here's the idea. You got two guys. You got Ben and you got Arthur. Okay, we're saving it up, right? So Ben, at the age of 19... He starts to sign. He's going to put $2,000 into retirement. He puts $2,000 into retirement for eight years. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. All right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. Arthur starts after him. All right? We're going to use the same percentage rate. I know it changes and fluctuates, but just we're just going to go with the same percentage rate. So this is the first one. So he doesn't start till age 27. At the age of 27, Ben never invests again. Okay, do this math later if you don't believe me. Go to the next one. Never invests again. Arthur now at the age of 27 is trying to catch up, try to catch up, try to catch up. Let's go to year 45. What are we at? Go back one. Year 45. Ben is at $237,000 already. Arthur's at 142. This is called the magic of compound interest. Go to the next one, last one. Here's the end result. This is by them. This is all they did. Okay, and these rates are pretty current, pretty accurate. 
If Ben does that for the first seven years, eight years of his life, Arthur never catches up to him. So is it important to save? Yeah. Now, maybe you're not there. That's okay. There's no guilt. But I want you to see this because this chart changed my life about 10 years ago. Because what I realized is I want to put at least 10% or, or more away. Here's the last one. Give it away. Everybody say, give it away. Does it make you want to sing? Give it away, give it away, give it away now. If you know that song, you're a sinner. Um, <laughs> I want you to look at these tables real quick. And by the way, at the end of service today, if you want to take any of this, please do. All right? This fruit's up for grabs. My son, Justice, can we just give him a hand? He was doing that while we were preaching. Brought up bananas, kiwis, limes, pears, peaches, oranges. And he had 10 of each one. Give it away. He put nine on this table, nine kiwis here, and then one kiwi here. Nine apples here, one apple there, and so on and so forth. I don't ever want you to feel convicted or condemned by me or anything, but this is the power of the tithe. The Bible talks about a tithe. God says that we get to keep 90%. But he goes, you know what? I would like 10% of the first fruits. And I don't know when I look at either table, which one looks like more to you? (laughs) This is all that God asks. And to me, when I see this, I know that God wants the best for me because here's why. I know that God can do more with 90% in my life than I ever could do with 100 because of putting him first. Heather and I have tested this. We have given our entire lives at least 10%, sometimes up to 40%, if we're honest, over our entire lives off of our gross income before taxes, before anything else, and we've only seen God bless us and take care of us constantly. The Bible says in Malachi 3.10, it says right here, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this. Whether the bridge is your home church or you have another home church and you're visiting, test it at your church and see if you will not open up the floodgates of heaven, more blessed than you can even count. And here's why. Because we're surrendering to him. We're giving him our first fruits. That's what it's about. That's what he does with it. And I have said since the foundation of the bridge, I don't ever want it to be about money. We don't ever want to be up here and ask, and, and we really don't. But some of you have a spiritual gift. Some of you have a spiritual gift of giving. You know, if you look up and you see these lights, the, how many remember when we only had those six lights? I can actually see your face. Those lights cost us 13 grand to put in a couple months ago. They're not cheap. Nothing's cheap nowadays. If you notice, we used to be able to put our finger through the siding outside, and it would push right through. And uh, we had to put siding on. That was about $25,000 to put on. And uh, here's the crazy part. And I didn't tell you this at the time because we were still preparing. But I wanted this done, and I wanted that done because I wanted Derek to be your pastor, not a project manager when he took the church. Okay, so we stewarded it. We had the money to do that. However, there's one thing that we still need to do. And there's probably one of you or two of you in here that could write a check for it today. And if God's calling you to do that, do it. There's no pressure, but that's your spiritual gift. And that's, if you notice on, not in here, but in our kid's wing or in the summer, we have no heat, we have no AC, we have no HVAC in that side of the building. It's gonna cost us about 20 grand to do. I'm just asking that God speaks to somebody because that would be a huge thing to just say, hey, you know what? Let's just finish it today. Let's just do it today. And I'm just asking you to ask God what to do with that because that would be phenomenal because I don't know if you've been in there or teaching a class in the summer. <gasps> if you don't believe me, there's no heat in Pastor Derek's office right now. It's in floor and it doesn't reach all that way. Just go back into his office at the end of the service and just, just, just walk in there. Here's the last one is this. Go to the next one. Let me, let me say this. Um, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. We're called to just give it to him. That's what it's about. It's not ours. We manage it. If you give and you test the tithe at the Bridge Church and you don't see God blessing you in some way, I'm not saying financially in many different ways, we'll give it back to you. Test him. That's how much we believe in this, all right? And so many of you have already been just phenomenal contributors. Let me give you my last point here. It's not about salvation. It's not, okay? Listen to me right now. Because some of you here, be like, I'm not tithing. I'm never tithing. I still want you to know I love you and Jesus loves you. 
You don't have to tithe to receive eternal life. You don't have to do that. There's only one way to receive eternal life, and it's not through tithing. It's not through being baptized. There's one way. Okay, that's by bringing your pastor pizza. That's the only way. Oh, that's not true. One way. That's through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Okay, there is no other way. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says this. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you're not happy about doing it, don't do it. I'm excited to give. Every time that we, we have automatic giving that we do, every time I pray and I stop and I go, thank you, Lord, when I get to punch that into our Excel file. Like, thank you, Jesus, that I get to do it. Okay? Matthew chapter 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a really practical way of looking at this. Give me four more minutes of your time. Okay, we'll be out of here by 10.35, 11.35. Okay? There's a really cool practical way with this verse. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Look at your bank statement sometime. You will see where you invest and what that treasure looks like. You'll see it. Okay? Some of you, man, you could own your own Starbucks by now by how many coffee beans you have supplied them. All right? You'll figure that out when you look at that. If you never give, if you never give, yes, you're going to miss out on a blessing. You will miss out on spiritual maturity, but you won't miss out on eternity because your value does not change based on what you do. Let's say after church, we all run over to county market together, okay? And let's say I find like a, a piece of candy or something on clearance or, or maybe a piece of fruit. You know, I got plenty right now. And, and I find like a kiwi for 50 cents. D- do I have enough to buy it? Come on, loudly. Do I have enough to buy it? Okay, what, what, if, what if I find something that's 80 cents and, and after tax it's like 86 cents? Do, do I have enough to buy it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because it's worth a dollar, right? It's a dollar bill. All right, so let's say, let's say I find something that, that after tax or, or fruit doesn't have any tax. And after it's 99 cents. Do I have enough to go buy that piece of fruit that's 99 cents? I do. Okay, okay, because it's this worth a dollar. But, but what if, just what if I take this dollar bill and, and I fold it up? I, they're not going to take this now, right? It's not, it's not worth it anymore, right? I mean, it's like it's a quarter of a dollar looks like. Can, can I still go and buy that? Is this still worth a dollar? Well, wait a second, wait a second. What if I take this dollar bill and I crumple it up? How, how much is it worth now, Lexi? How, how much is that dollar bill worth now? Is it still worth a dollar? It's still worth a dollar, right? I can still use this. What if I take this and I throw it on the ground? Is it still worth a dollar? Come on. Yes, it is. What if I stomp on it? What if I put gum in it? What if I take it and, and I just rip it up and I start just going to town on this sucker and I just, I start ripping it on every shred. Do you think if I go in there, Mr. Bob King is still going to take my dollar? He will. Here's the deal. It's not about the money. Never about the money. It's about your heart. Some of you in here, you are still trying to define your worth when God already has. You might feel broken. You might feel bent. You might feel stepped on. You might even feel like you got gum and hair wrapped up in you. But what does God say about you? He says you have purpose. You have value. He says it doesn't care how many times you've been stepped on, drugged through the mud, ripped up, torn apart. There might be people telling you what you're worth and you might not like what they're saying. But God has already defined your worth. He put a price tag on it when he gave his son. And he said, that's their worth. And whether you're beaten, whether you're bruised, whether you're banged up, whether you're torn, whether you're stomped on, does it change your value? Come on, somebody. Does it change your value? That's right. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, can we give him some praise this morning? Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, let's lift him up this morning. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you love us so much, God. It's not about the dollar bill. It's not about money. It's about our hearts. And Lord, you want our hearts. 
You want every person here to know they have value, they have purpose, and the only way that we get to receive eternity is through your son. You put a price tag on our value when you said the only way to receive eternal life is through Jesus Christ, the son of God. That's it, there's no other way. And some of us feel like we don't deserve you. Some of us feel like we screwed up too much. Some of us feel like we have failed you too much. Or we've listened to the wrong voices and not the voice of the Holy Spirit that says we're valuable. You put that price tag on us. Stop letting us put a price tag on it. God, it's not about giving. It's not even about the tithe. It's about our heart. And you want all of it. And so today, Lord, if there's anyone in here that needs you, I just pray right now in their spirit, they cry out for you. In their heart of hearts, they know that something's missing. It's not money, but it's purpose. And that purpose starts with a commitment and a surrendering to you as Savior. So Lord, this morning, we surrender to you as Savior. We believe in you. Lord, there are so many that I know in this place, in this community, that don't know their value. They don't know their purpose. They've forgotten it. And I ask for just a boost of confidence so that they can declare it by the way they stand, by the way they walk, by the way they held their head up. Because, Lord, the only way we can dust it off and keep walking and put one foot in front of the next sometimes is because of you. Because we don't have it in us sometimes. And so that's why we need you in us. Once we say yes to you, you live in us and it's all you. And so, Jesus, today, if there's anyone in here that needs to surrender to you, I pray they do. Father, if there's a person in here that wants to give for the first time, would you bless them? If there's somebody that's given for a long time and you're calling them to, to give more or do something else, bless them. If there's somebody in here that's living paycheck to paycheck, God, would they see that there's a better way? Would they see that there's financial freedom that they can have, that they can hold on to, that you can help them make change literally in their life? But all that comparison, all that pales in comparison to our value and our worth in you. And so today as we leave, as we enter the real world, Lord, we're, we're spit on, we're talked about, we're judged, we're ridiculed, we're questioned. May we remember our value and our worth in all of that today. We give you this day and we praise you and we thank you for your gift of eternal life. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for showing us our value. Pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.